0: Welcome. Welcome. Welcome in to Sports Talk Chicago. All gas, no break. If you're looking for the same old sports talk, get out! <laughs> You've come to the wrong place. Hey, we ain't come this far just to come this far, you hear me? I tell you what I see, I tell you the truth. We going hard today. We're fearless, bold, and highly opinionated. This air show. This show is so hot right now. The biggest guests, the hottest takes, and the best interviews live right here. Do you actually remind me of Dan Patrick? Because you ask great questions, you have the knack, you have the gift. On Sports Talk Chicago. Yo, Chicago. Here's your host. You guys an absolute stud. John Zou- Hello, everybody, and welcome into Sports Talk Chicago. Great to see everybody right here live on a Wednesday night. John Meadows directing and producing. We're live on YouTube, Twitch, and Facebook. All at Sports Talk Chicago. You can find me personally at John Z Sports all over social media. We have so much to get to tonight. There's been some major developments as far as the NFL draft goes. Ryan Pulls has committed to Justin Fields, plus... uh, Jalen Carter, rather, in big, big trouble. We're going to break down that situation, talk about what it means for the Bears and for that first overall pick. Matt Eberflus has come out and said that the wide receiving core needs help. Tell me something you don't know, Coach Eberflus. We're going to discuss that. The Blackhawks have traded away Patrick Kane. Pretty shocking situation. And they didn't get a lot back in return. We are going to talk about what he means to the Blackhawks and why they didn't get as much back as they should have. Plus, a case study. Kind of a new segment we're going to preview here in the latter part of this show. Daniel Jones wants $45 million from the New York Giants. He had 15 touchdowns and five picks last year. I'm going to tell you why this is similar to Mitch Trubisky's 2018 season and why their careers are very similar, why he shouldn't be getting $45 million, why he shouldn't even be asking for it. That's coming up later on. Support our sponsor, Amish Country Parms, for the best Amish food in all of Chicago and Hit them up today in Orland Park. Fresh imports weekly from the Amish of Northern Indiana. Eggs, cheese, milk, fresh baked goods, pies. All of it's right there for you. Just head on over to Amish Country Farms in Orland Park today. Hit up their link in the live chat feed and also in the description of this video. Follow them on Facebook and tell them Sports Talk Chicago sent you. Big show tonight. So glad everybody's here. I think we're going to have a really good time. And I want to start today with this. Ryan Pauls has made it known, somewhat, Justin Fields is the guy for next year. Now, this should come as no surprise to anybody. This could have been told to you one day after the end of the 2022 season. We all knew Justin Fields was going to be the guy for this team moving forward. He's shown enough. He's proven enough to the point that, yes, he has deserved a third year. He's deserved a fourth year, maybe even a fifth year, based on how last year went. The interesting part to that story, though, is this. The Bears will do their homework on this year's quarterback class, which any good GM would do. They're going to be meeting uh, with quarterback prospects this week, the Bears, but they'll likely do so merely as a way of garnering information to pit teams against one another for the top pick of this draft. Doing their due diligence will be crucial when it comes to leveraging a trade. And it's encouraging to hear this that the front office is leaving no stone unturned. This is from ONTAP Sportsnet. Brian Poles told Patrick Finley and Jason Leisure that Justin Fields was involved in the draft process last year and he will be involved again this year, too. Justin Fields will have a say in who the Bears may or may not draft. He might be biased, though, right? I maybe mean, he won't be advocating for a quarterback. I don't know. Look, I think this is a predictable development. I think this is something that makes a lot of sense. Uh, we knew that Justin Fields was going to be the guy. This comes as no shock or no surprise to anybody, and he's certainly deserved it. It's nice to hear Ryan Pohl say it out loud. But it's also nice to see the Bears do their due diligence on quarterback prospects. There is a .00001% chance that they draft a quarterback. So might as well do your due diligence and find out who these guys are and what they're capable of. But at the same time, this article brings up a good point. By understanding and knowing what each quarterback and each top player brings to the table, you could pit teams against one another and force them to give up a lot for that top spot. That's the goal. Give up a lot for that top spot. And here's your opportunity to do it. Ryan Poles has to do his homework. I think that's very encouraging. And I think this whole report just corroborates the pattern that we've seen from the Bears all season long, all offseason long. Nothing wrong with that. There has been a recent development that may screw up the Bears when it comes to the value of the first overall pick. Jalen Carter in big, big trouble. I don't know if you saw the development this morning. It all kind of came out really quickly around mid-morning. So I guess he was street racing with a friend of his, and that friend in the other car got in a crash and died. Carter left the scene, didn't tell anybody anything. Now there's an arrest warrant out on his name. Put out a statement on Twitter later saying that he believes he will be exonerated from all charges. And maybe that's true. The fact is, though, this is a black mark on not only the Bears' draft prospects, but every other team and the value of the number one overall pick. That's the key. Chris Ballard, Colts GM, came out later today after all this reporting saying that maybe they don't need to trade up to the number one pick. Maybe they'll be fine at number four. This incident with Carter being off the board could cause a lot of problems for the Bears. Maybe they can't get as much back as they expected. We just went over this last week, Sunday, on the show, talking about what the Bears could get back, potential trade packages floated out by Daniel Jeremiah. Potentially three to four picks for that number one spot from the Texans and or the Colts. Now I'd be surprised if they get three or four. Especially with that statement from Ballard. Makes sense. He believes that at number four, they can get the guy they they want. And I'll tell you what, with a potential number one pick off the board, maybe it will be easier. This was an untimely development, and it only, unfortunately, hurts the Bears. Now, the positive is this. Had the Bears drafted him, then found out about that incident, there could have been a whole PR scare and really a draft scare. Bears could have drafted him. He never would have played a game. Very possible. Bears could have drafted him. Hey, number one overall pick. What a great player or first round pick. And in June, we find out about this crash, arrest warrant, and he never plays a game in the NFL. And then the Bears are in pretty big trouble. They lose the opportunity to use this generational pick for good. So I'm happy that this didn't happen after the Bears drafted him, because Carter was even above Anderson on a lot of boards. But this also goes back to character too. Let's say somehow, some way, I don't even know how it's going to happen. Maybe as a good lawyer, Carter gets off and everything's okay, and he's back on the draft board. I would be very hesitant to take him. Now I know in the past there have been many guys who approached the draft who lose draft stock due to personal incidents, and then they end up killing it, and that's fine. But the Bears are an organization that has to do with class and integrity. They're not going to involve themselves in a bad situation. Look at what happened with Deshaun Watson. Say what you want about the whole Mitch Stravinsky, Pat Mahomes, Deshaun Watson thing. At the end of the day, the Bears have no tolerance for what happened with Watson. And it would have been a complete and utter disaster here in Chicago in 2019 or 2020, all these accusations came out and Watson was still on the team or they had to move on from him, then there'd be no quarterback. Look what the Texans are going through right now. The Bears like to stay away, rightfully so, from controversy and they're an organization to their credit of integrity. This does not fit the Bears' mold. And I'm happy that this came out before Everything happened. Only negative for all this for the Bears is that the number one pick may not be worth as much anymore. You lose a huge draft prospect, a potential number one pick, and it makes it easier for some of these teams, like the Colts, to stay confident at staying at four. Ballard said today, GM, hey, we might have our guy at four. Why do we need to move up? And that might be the new consensus. If somebody like Carter's off the board, you can't use him as a decoy anymore. There's less talent near the top, and the Colts are only three spots back at number one. Maybe they don't need to move up. Or if they do move up, maybe it's to two or three. They don't give up as much. They don't make a trade with the Bears. This is the scary part now, that Carter might be off the board. As far as the Bears go, I think Will Anderson is going to be the logical pick, and I advocated for Anderson a couple of months ago. Actually, I said Anderson even more than Carter, based on his pedigree and on his records. He he was very good in college. All-time SEC leader in sacks, top ten in NCAA history in sacks and tackles. Will Anderson has a proven track record of success in one of the best, if not the best, conference in all of college football. You are not going to go wrong in taking Will Anderson, I can assure you that. And I think at this point, that might be the Bears' only choice, unfortunately. They've kind of run out of options a bit. And it's all Carter's fault. So, mixed emotions and mixed reactions from me on this situation. Carter's in big trouble, and I have nothing to say in regards to that situation or what his fate will be. I don't even know, but somebody died. So that's not going to be taken lightly, nor should it. He's in trouble. As far as the draft goes, number one pick for the Bears is not going to be worth as much because you've taken out a top prospect immediately. They're gone. They're off the board. So every team's board shrunk a little bit. And someone like the Colts could say confidently, like they did today, we don't need to move to number four, or number one. We don't need to move to number one, we can stay at four. Well, that could hurt the Bears. Maybe they don't have as much bargaining power or as much leverage or as much of an ability to demand more from somebody like Indianapolis or Houston. That's unfortunate. But on the flip side for the Bears, it is very good that this came out before the draft began. Stay away from Carter. Stay away from him. Somehow he finds his way back onto the board. Don't draft him. Not worth it. Not worth the headache that's going to come along with it and the character issues that come along with it. I know everybody's young. Everybody's stupid when they're young, right? Everyone's made a mistake when they're young. Of course. But think about the situation that you're in if you're the Bears. Really, any team, but especially the Bears, we're talking about generational wealth, generational talent, generational opportunities. $98 million in cap space, number one overall pick, quarterback on the rise, new GM, new head coach. Do you really want to complicate the issue and bring in somebody who, indirectly or directly, depending on how you look at it, costs someone's life? Not a good idea. And the Bears don't need any more controversy or any more problems right now. They need to focus on winning and finishing the rebuild that they started. So, the Bears, if somehow, some way, which I don't even know how it's possible, but if Carter came back onto the board, don't go near him. That said, they're going to suffer with potential compensation for this pick. They will. The Colts coming out making that statement is pretty bold, I have to say, because they suck. So to come out and say we could stay at four, that's pretty bold to say when you had Sam Ellinger, Matt Ryan, and Nick Foles rotate a quarterback for you this past season. So they feel pretty confident because Carter's off the board, they're going to be okay. That's when you know, personally, that maybe the Bears won't get back as much as they should or as they would have for that top pick. I don't know how anybody could say with the rotation of Matt Ryan, Nick Bowles, and Sam Ellinger, that you are okay with staying at four, but that's me. Maybe they firmly believe it. Maybe it's going to work out that way now because the top prospect is gone. And if that's the case, good for the Colts. They're going to play chicken and win. But that statement, you have to admit, is pretty damn bold. <laughs> Especially those quarterbacks that you had on your roster playing and starting games for you this past season. You have a rookie head coach now. You have no quarterback, and you're standing. You're saying, I'm going to stay at four, or maybe I could stay at four. Bold. They weren't saying that a week ago. We were on this show. Jim Irsay owner said, we have to move up to get a quarterback. Now we might be able to stay at four, all because of this. Look at the fallout that's coming from Carter being in trouble, being off the board. One week difference from we may have to move up, we have to move up too, we might stay at four. All because of one guy Leaving everybody's board. That's my point. Things change, circumstances change, and now all of a sudden, the Bears may not get as much back as they should. That's unfortunate for them. But at the same time, I'm really happy they voted drafting him because that would have been a problem. BlackBrain7920, what about Carolina? I heard they are willing to do a big trade. So I don't know what Carolina is trying to do. I read today that Sam Darnold is going to be resigned. Now, I don't know if that's going to be starting or backing up. I would assume backing up. But they could also be in a Carson Wentz. Reports have linked up Wentz to the Panthers because of Frank Reich. New head coach for the Panthers. He was Wentz's head coach in Indianapolis, and he was with Wentz in Philadelphia for a time, too. I highly advise against it. If I were Carolina, I would draft a quarterback, especially with an offensive-minded head coach like Frank Reich. And the fact that you went through, again, three or four different quarterbacks this past year, similar to the Colts, when you have quarterbacks like Sam Darnold, Baker Mayfield, and P.J. Walker starting for you, hey, hint, time to draft a quarterback. So they could make a deal with Carolina. And maybe that should be the play now, because obviously it seems as if the Colts are pretty confident in where they're at. Unless this is all just smokescreen and 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 big mouths talking without any action being done, that's possible. But the Colts seem pretty competent, and they have certainly changed their tune from a week ago. I'm just saying, when should retire? <laughs> You have to take Anderson at King Pookie Nation. You're right. Yes. At this point, you're, you're going to have to. The Bears have done so well being an all-inclusive franchise that picking Carter would be against all they've promoted. Y- yes. Thank you. Midlife Models, uh, diecast restorations. I appreciate your comment. Sounds like a business there. But yeah, you're right. The Bears have always been, to their credit, I mean, they look, they may not win a lot. We might criticize ownership and leadership. But one thing they do pretty well, in my opinion, in the years that I've covered and followed this team, they do a hell of a job at staying away from off-the-field controversy and issues. They didn't have a Sean Watson situation. They're not going to deal with the Jalen Carter situation. Everyone on the team is pretty, I would say, well-behaved. And they do a good job at keeping their act together both on and off the field. And that's, that matters more in the long run than on the field performance, in my opinion. I'd rather have a team do things the right way, maybe not be the best, but always do things the right way and have integrity and know that they're good men on and off the field, than have a team that wins some, loses some, but has so many issues off the field that the team's just out of control. And Joseph also depends on how the scenario with Carter plays out. But, yes, I think he hurt his strap stock. He wasn't driving the car that crashed, but there's angles to the damage done. So, yeah, I agree with you, Joseph. Um, again, if he finds a good lawyer and if he finds a good PR team, he'll be okay. Might be late first round, early second round, and then he'll play in the NFL. But I find it very wrong that he raised somebody, they died, he didn't report it, he didn't stay at the scene, and that person's dead. So, again, maybe he didn't actively do it which there's a difference, but he was partially responsible for somebody dying. So, again, he has to find a good lawyer and a good PR team, and I think he'll be okay. But nevertheless, there's been significant damage. Somebody died, right? Somebody died, plain and simple. He's going to have to deal with that. He's going to have problems with that. And I think NFL teams are viewing it the same way, and now based on the comments that we've seen since this reporting came out, Other teams feel the same way, like the Colts. The Colts are assuming he's going to be off the board, and now they're fine with staying at four. Teams are assuming he won't be there. So they obviously think it's serious enough to warrant the fact that if he somehow is on the board, he won't be going to the late rounds, and if he's off the board, they're going to expect it. Sports Talk Chicago, here with John's glow. John Meadows, directing and producing. Hang out with us and comment with us. Contribute to the conversation. Hit us up on the live chat feed on YouTube or find us on Facebook and Twitch. At Sports Talk Chicago, we read your comments after every segment. We're sponsored by good friends at Amish Country Farms. So Matt Eberflues has also made some comments at the NFL Combine. Everybody's there right now in Indianapolis. Matt Eberflus's old stomping grounds. He said something that everybody kind of knows about, but I have to say, to his credit, it's nice to hear somebody with authority say something that needs to be said. It's nice to hear somebody be honest about a situation and not blow smoke up people's asses. You know, for years, we've seen so many Bears head coaches blow smoke. Matt Nagy, chief culprit number one. Blowing smoke about his team, blowing smoke about the situation, blowing smoke about quarterbacking and play calling, lying about stuff to the media. Matt Eberflus, to his credit, has been fairly honest about what the Bears look like and what their needs are heading into this upcoming season. Matt Eberflus said this the other day in regards to draft needs for the Bears. "Quote: As a receiver." you got a playmaker. We saw it in the playoffs. You saw it in the Super Bowl. Those guys are making plays in critical moments. And that's what we need. At Iberflos, from the top rope, coming down and saying everything that we've been saying for the past year and a half about this Bears team. There is no number one wide receiver. There's a number two, number three, Darnell Mooney. There's a number two, number three, Chase Claypool. There are a bunch of random guys who some are going to be here, some won't be. But in week 17, your number one wide receiver, Simba Walker, you get a problem. Dante Penis was a disappointment till late. EQ St. Frank got a big got an A contract extension. And Bayless Jones didn't really turn it on till late either. And I still think he might be a bust. The Bears have no wide receiving. Matt Eberplus actually said it. And I would hope that this will be something they're gonna address in the draft. Finally, there's honesty of assessing a situation. As right here in this article, I love the honesty of a coach who makes two things clear. Firstly, the Bears need a true WR1, and Chicago doesn't have that player right now. com article. Yes. Yes. They don't have a WR1. They need one. They don't have one right now. They need a WR1, and they don't have one. Time to make a move. Ryan Poles, and Matt Eberflus, But I appreciate the honesty. And by the way, this will hold them accountable too. See, we got proof of this. So if we start August and September, the Bears don't have a number one wide receiver, we're going to come back and bash Eberflus and Poles. They know this is a need, and that's great. Now do something. You know it, you've identified it, perfect. Next step is doing something. Whether it's drafting, whether it's making a trade, whether it's signing somebody via free agency. Time to make a move. Time to give Justin Fields what he deserves to have. I love it. And the Bears could draft people. With Justin Fields in on the draft process now, maybe they will draft somebody he knows, a wide receiver, or somebody he likes, somebody he has a connection with, and that would be great. I'm okay with Justin Fields having say in this draft. Really, I am because he is the future quarterback of this team. Make him a franchise piece and let him be a part of the bargaining table. Now, it doesn't mean he makes every single decision, but he should be able to offer up a list of players or a couple of guys that he knows who he thinks would help him out on the field. Why not support your quarterback, right? You know, there are so many old school people who are like, oh, don't let the quarterback get involved. He has no say. A little bit different now. Justin Fields is the franchise guy for this team. The Bears are committed to him. And at the same time, he's committed to the Bears. He wants to stay here and be a Bear. And you need him to perform for your team to get out of the gutter. So it would behoove everybody to let Justin Fields have a say in what's going to happen. I love the move, and I love the awareness by Iberflus and Polls to let him be there. And I love the awareness by Matt Iberflus to come out and say what's been on everybody's mind. Everybody's mind. I love this quote. It's the best. As a receiver, you got a playmaker. We saw it in the playoffs. You saw it in the Super Bowl. Those guys are making plays in critical moments, and that's what we need. That's what we need. Matty Berflus knows the Bears need a true WR1. And I have to say, I appreciate the agreement because last year at this time, when we talked about Darnell Mooney being a number one, potentially, and the Bears training for people, everybody was convinced that for some reason this Bears wide receiving core was good. (laughs) I don't know why. I don't know what went through people's minds, but everybody defended Darnell Mooney of being a WR1. And the Bears talked about other players who could be big pieces on this team. Well, we've seen everything play out this past year, and we kind of know now Darnell Mooney ain't a number one, and the Bears don't have a true number one. And they were equipped this year with a bunch of threes, fours, fives, and even sixes. And that hurt Justin Fields. And that hurt his ability to be successful. And that's unfortunate for him. If you want Justin Fields to be the quarterback that you envision him being, You have to give him something to work with. Now, it's very hard to do it all on your own. It's very hard to win without the horses in any sport. And some guys do it, barely, and most of them don't. There are probably three or four quarterbacks who I could trust to lead their team to a playoff appearance based on them and them alone. And really that number might be down to two or three now because I used to put Aaron Rodgers in that category and obviously that's not the case anymore. Tom Brady maybe, now he's retired, but maybe Brady because even last year they made it with that horrendous team in Tampa. Patrick Mahomes for sure. They lost Tyreek Hill. They won the Super Bowl. That's unbelievable. But there are very few who could do it. Russell Wilson used to be a guy who could, now he can't. So there are guys who used to be in that list who aren't even there anymore either. Almost every quarterback in football today needs a supporting cast willing to help. And it's okay to admit that. It's okay to say it. This isn't the old days anymore. This isn't Joe Montana, Dan Marino, where it's just one Person Cruz, and even then there were good players all across the field for those teams, for those Dolphins teams, Niners teams, but you get the point. They were the face and the head of the franchise. Now today you need a decent quarterback or stud, and you need good guys around him to do anything significant in the NFL. Justin Fields needs weapons. And the best receiving weapon he has right now is probably a mixture of Darnell Mooney when he's healthy and when he actually wants to play. Cole Komet, kind of, but not really. And Chase Claypool, if he can understand how to play offense in Chicago. So, again, each player even has a caveat within themselves. Now, on paper, if we take everybody's best season, they'd all be decent options for fields. Mooney had a 1,000-yard year in 2021. Chase Claypool had a 1,000-yard year a couple of years ago. And Cole Komet is getting better. In a perfect world, if they all performed at their peaks, we wouldn't be having this conversation. I'd be okay with the Bears having no WR1, but two very good WR2s like Mooney and Claypool could each rack up about 1,000 yards and make plays. But that's not the case. That's not happening. The Bears need a true big name, big threat, big talent, number one wideout. Like when they got Brandon Marshall for Jane Cutler. That was a huge move, and it worked. And then Martellus Bennett came in. Then they had Alshon Jeffrey. Alshon Jeffrey was a WR1. Put up the numbers to prove it. Allen Robinson was a WR1 until last year. He was 1,000 plus yards a couple of years in a row with a rotation of quarterbacks. WR1s are able to put up yards even when the quarterback situation is murky. Like even Chris Olabe, right? Remember Justin Peel's teammate? Rookie year this year in New Orleans? 1,000 yards. And he had Andy Dalton and Jameis Winston throwing him footballs. That's a WR1. Chris Olabe, rookie, WR1. I could say it confidently. If you're putting up those sorts of numbers with a rotating cast of quarterbacks, you are a number one wide receiver. Tyree Kill, second in the NFL in receiving yards, and he had a rotation of quarterbacks. Tua got hurt. Teddy Bridgewater got hurt. Skyler Thompson came in. Second most yards in the entire NFL. WR one. Justin Jefferson, fifth most receiving yards down a single season this past year. And he had Kirk Cousins thrown to him. Or how about this one, Mike Mike Evans? Nine straight years of 1,000 yards. By the way, he's two away from the record of 11 with Jerry Rice. And he's had how many different quarterbacks in Tampa over the years? How many? Tom Brady, Jameis Winston, Josh Johnson, I could name tons of different quarterbacks. Josh Freeman. Random guys who don't even play football anymore. Blaine Gabbert. There's a WR1. Nine straight years, 1,000 yards with probably 10 different quarterbacks. Yes, that's a WR1. That is what the Bears need. I don't know how they're going to get it done, whether it be through trade, draft, free agency, Something. But what I appreciate more than anything is Matt Eberflus's ability to be honest and to rightfully assess a situation. To rightfully assess a situation. There's no blowing smoke. There's no Matt Nagy traits. There's no Nagy-isms in there. It's, hey, we need a wide receiver. We do. Like you said... You got a playmaker. We saw it in the playoffs. We saw it in the Super Bowl. Those guys are making plays in critical moment, and that's what we need. We need it. Thank you, Matt Eberplus. You're preaching to the choir here. And again, now the next next task is going to be can you get it done? Can you do it? I think he can. I think the Bears can. I no reason why they can't. I think it'll. I think it'll go well, and remember, if they don't, we have the proof now to hold them accountable in August or September if things don't go their way. So either way, now they're putting themselves out on a ledge, which I respect. Let's hope they can come through and get it done. Joseph, I'm going to give commet some rope because the tight end just down bloom as all pro till 26 usually. Oh, they just don't bloom till 26. Okay, and Claypool since he's a late starter, uh, okay. Need to bolster up the trenches. Who knows, Olave still make it, may make it here. Saints still um, in red, both draft and cap-wise. Yep. Dan Tana, my guy. one wanted the Bears to get Olave so bad. I, I agree with you, especially about that Justin Fields-Ohio State connection. And he's turning out to be a stud no matter who the quarterback is. I, I really respect him. Tip-tiff, uh, Mike Tomlin gave up on Claypool. Should that be a red flag? Yes, it should. Because, you know, if you piss off Mike Tomlin, and I – I've lost a little bit of my respect for him, but for the most part, I love Mike Tomlin. You know, if you get to a point where you piss him off, then we get a problem. It's like the whole Bill Belichick and the Patriots thing. When you piss off Bill Belichick, it's like, where else are you going to go? You know, the Steelers have gone through so many receivers over the years who had a couple of spurts, then they dropped off, like Juju Smith-Schuster, now Claypool, Martavis Bryant there for a time. If you piss off Mike Tomlin, yes, it is a red flag. And the person who's been on that be B-Wicked here in the comments. And I know if he's listening, he knows it. He told me that from day one when the Bears brought in Claypool. Bayless is a weapon, says Joseph. And Mooney is a WR 1.5. I like that. I actually like that uh, definition, Joseph. What WR 1.5, because I think he's mainly a two, but he can be somewhat of a one in terms of output thousand plus yards you're near a one if not at a one but at the same time it's like well that only happened one year there's no track record of full success year to year he needs a certain situation to perform WR 1.5 is actually a very accurate assessment I like that I like that Joseph that's a very good comment and a good point point. and a guy Dan Tana said sorry I'm late ahead to finish the season debut of the Mandalorian that's okay I appreciate you making the time after the Mandalorian for me here on Sports Talk Chicago. John Meadows here with me, and all of you here with me as well. We're live on Twitch, Facebook, YouTube. You could comment, join the stream, let us know how you're feeling. You could also find me personally at John Z Sports. And by the way, one more thing too: make sure you hit up our podcast. Uh, if you're driving in the car, drive it around the next day, or you want to hear specific segments of the show, but you don't want to watch it. Maybe you're busy doing something. Have your AirPods or your earbuds in. You can just search up Sports Talk Chicago. We're on every podcasting platform, Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Odyssey, iHeartRadio, TuneIn. So if you're looking for a way to download and listen to the audio portion only of the show, we're on there. And after every show, we do upload every specific segment onto that portion. So make sure you hit up the podcast, too, if you're in need. All righty. This should be fun. The Blackhawks have traded Patrick Kane. I am not, and we do not, cover hockey intensely on this program. Many of you know that. But I think everybody could say something about Patrick Kane. Everybody knows who he is and knows the contributions that he's made to this team. I saw something from Joe Brand. He does Blackhawks and Post on WGN Radio. He said this past week was the first time since 2004 that the Hawks didn't have a combination or any players like uh, Keith Seabrook, Kane, Taves, and Patrick Sharp. So this past week, and out, currently, it's been the first time since 2004 that not one of those guys have been appearing in a game for the Blackhawks. How crazy is that? <laughs> Look, I understand why the move was made, and I want to say this. The Blackhawks are doing what the Cubs did. So I respect the mission and the end goal of what they're trying to do. They're trying to rebuild. They're trying to be a brand-new team. They're trying to redo and rekindle the flame of their Stanley Cup championships. The Cubs made the tough decision to get rid of Anthony Rizzo, Javier Baez, Chris Bryant, and I think it's worked fairly well, and this will work well, too. The wound is fresh. Everybody's hurting. Saw a piece saying that the Blackhawks players are suffering from a mental health crisis. Not even kidding. I, I read a piece about that today in the Chicago Sun-Times. So, a lot of stuff is going on, a lot of emotions are out there, and people are trying to process the entire situation, which is understandable. See, it's way different because Kane won three championships for them, top pick. Unlike Rizzo, Bryant-Bias, who won one and then kind of spaced out. Three championships, definite Hall of Famer, Blackhawk for life, You really can't imagine Patrick Kane not being on the Blackhawks, not wearing 88 on the ice with red. Well, he will be a winner ripping different kind of red now on the Rangers. But, yeah, it's very shocking. So I appreciate and I understand the mission from the Blackhawks, and I have no issues with it at all, nothing. But here's my problem, my only problem with this. The Rangers sent a conditional 2023 second round pick and a 2023 fourth round pick to the Chicago Blackhawks in exchange for Kane. If the Rangers win two playoff rounds this year, the second round pick becomes a first round pick in 2024 or 2025. The Arizona Coyotes got involved as a third party to retain some of Kane's salary and make it possible for the Rangers to fit him in under the cap. In exchange for retaining 25% of Kane's cap hit, the Coyotes got a 2025 third round pick from the Rangers. Does this trade sound fair to you? That's the question I pose to everybody watching right now. Does that trade for Patrick Kane sound fair to you? The Blackhawks gave up, Patrick Kane. And they did not even get a guaranteed first-round pick. Meanwhile, a different team that had nothing to do with this got a third-round pick. And the Hawks might get a second and a third, and that's it for Patrick Kane. This is my problem. Patrick Kane is still a productive player. And I read an article today saying that the Rangers fleeced the Blackhawks and that they're ready for a Stanley Cup run. Patrick Kane is not over the hill by any stretch. He's still a very quality hockey player. Why are you not getting a guaranteed first rounder for a future Hall of Famer and a franchise legend? Again, Cubs' situation different. Everybody was over the hill. Chris Bryant sucked. Javier Baez sucked. Anthony Rizzo sucked. They all went. They were playing like crap. The Cubs were playing like crap. Goodbye. Fine. I'm okay with that. Cubs didn't get back amazing returns for all of them, but they still got something back, even though they weren't performing, which is a credit to Jed Hoyer. Here, though, we have a rookie GM with the Blackhawks, Kyle Davidson, and they get back a conditional first-round pick, which is probably going to be a second-rounder, unless somehow the Rangers win the Stanley Cup and then a fourth-rounder, and then Arizona gets a third-rounder just because we're taking on some of the salary. Don't like that trade. I don't like that trade. I don't think it's fair. I don't think it is right. And I think the Blackhawks, in a sense, got fleeced. And that's what pisses me off, because this is somebody who is a franchise legend, definite Hall of Famer, great player, quality person, And this is the thanks that the Blackhawks get for it. Meanwhile, the Rangers are gearing up right here for a Stanley Cup championship with the addition of Patrick Kane. The Rangers bolster their Stanley Cup chances and the Blackhawks get a couple of late picks. For a guy who's going to be a Hall of Famer who won three championships with them, who is not over the hill keyword. Nope, don't like that. Don't appreciate that. I don't think it is fair. And it's a shame, you know, you would think the Hawks, especially with how close to the best they've been before the trade deadline, you would think they demand a king's ransom for somebody like Kane. Maybe not as much Jonathan Tabes due to health issues and lesser performance. I I would understand that. I would understand it. And he's not even healthy right now. He's suffering from long COVID symptoms. So he wasn't even on the trade block anymore. He took himself off. That's fine. Great. I'm, I'm okay with that. But you would think for somebody like Patrick Kane, who's still healthy, who can still perform at a decently high level, you would think they would demand everything. He's your franchise legend. He's your last cornerstone of the franchise, of the dynasty, still performing at a high level, still himself on the ice. And the thanks you get and the return you get is a non-guaranteed first-round pick Another late-round pick, and then a different team gets a third-round pick for assuming his salary, 25% of it. The Rangers gave up essentially nothing for a Hall of Famer who is still productive, who could help them win a Stanley Cup. And the Blackhawks just rolled over and let it happen. If the goal is rebuilding, if the goal is bolstering your team, will these picks really align with that goal? I don't know. Maybe. Maybe the Hawks will strike gold in the second or third rounds. They'll make something happen. But there's not even a first-round pick. There is no guarantee of anything. The only guarantee is that the Rangers are ready to win the Stanley Cup. And they took Patrick Kane. That's the only guarantee. The only guarantee of this entire trade is that the Rangers are ready to win the whole thing. And they took... A legend from the Blackhawks for absolutely nothing at the end of the day. That's the only thing guaranteed. Just to remind you of the conditions surrounding the pick, the Rangers sent a conditional 2023 20, second round pick and a 2023 20, fourth round pick to the Blackhawks in exchange for Kane. If the Rangers win two playoff rounds this year, the conditional second-round pick becomes a first-round pick in 2024 or 2025. So not even for this year. And the Rangers have to win in order for that to become a first-round pick. What a damn joke. That's, a, that's, that's horrible. A horrible deal for the Blackhawks. I love the spirit of the rebuild, and I love how committed this new regime is to doing it. But if you're going to do it, do it right. If you're going to actually commit to this, then do it the right way. You're getting back peanuts for a Hall of Famer who can still perform, who's a cornerstone of your franchise. It's not like it's a Chris Bryant or Anthony Rizzo or Javier or Baez situation. Kane is still performing. He won three championships with you. You drafted him and developed him. And now you're sending him away for a second and fourth round pick? That could become a first-round pick. If all these different conditions are met, give me a break. If you want to be committed to a rebuild, then do it the right way. Stashing third-round picks is not a rebuild. It's a failure. Saying, hey, I have 50 picks, and they're on the third through fifth round, that's not an accomplishment. It's a failure. You need to get back more for somebody like this who's a cornerstone of your franchise. You did not do that. The Blackhawks failed in this trade. They succeeded in their idea. The idea is good. The execution was bad. They get nothing back for an NHL legend, for an NHL Hall of Famer, for a Blackhawks legend. They get nothing. They get peanuts for somebody who could still perform. And someone who will probably help the Rangers win a Stanley Cup. They but they lost the trade. And they got fleeced. Calvin, the fact that Chicago didn't even get a player of some type in return hurts. Yep. Arizona and Chicago got fleeced, in my opinion. I think it would have kept Kane like till retirements as Joseph. And Dan, Dan Tanna, good Lord, those conditions. Yeah. And that's why I read them twice. You said those stipulations for the first round pick are ridiculous. Yes. That's why I made I made sure to read them twice because they're so lengthy. It's like reading fine print. It's like all those gambling commercials. You ever hear those on the radio? It's like 30 minutes of fine print. 1-800 here, 1-800 there, in this state, that state, this state. That's that's what it sounded like that I was reading to you, the stipulations for this pick. <laughs> then don't even do the trade. And then keep Kane around, because unless you're going to get back a lot for him, demand a ransom for him, get something that's going to help you, there's no point in doing it. The Hawks lost this trade, and it's a damn shame, because Patrick Kane is Patrick Kane. You know the name, you hear the name, you know what he's synonymous with. Winning Stanley Cups, performance, legendary status, Hall of Fame, Blackhawks? And you piss all that away for maybe a first-round pick if the Rangers win enough and a fourth-round pick. Bad trade. Right here on Sports Talk Chicago, John Zaglou, John Meadows here with you. One more segment to go. This is an experimental segment, but I found this so fascinating. It all started with a tweet that I put out probably a week ago now, and Candidly, we were going to do this last week, but we had Ozzie Gian come on late, and we spent so much time with him that I said, you know what? This is still relevant, and we will talk about this next week. So the week is here. So here's how this all started February 21st, okay? Daniel Jones is seeking $45 million a year for his new contract, according to Dove Kleiman, covers the NFL. I commented on that tweet saying the following, Daniel Jones had 15 touchdowns, 5 picks, and a passer rating of 92.5 in 2022. For some context, this would be as if Mitch Trubisky, after 2018, demanded $45 million per year. Jones is not worth what he's asking for. I'm not the only one who thinks this. Boomer Esiason, WFAN, said the following. It's ridiculous for Jones to ask for this. $45 million, you're out of your mind. you got to understand who you are. 15 touchdowns and five picks is not getting you $45 million per year. So it really made me think. All the creative juices were flowing in my head, and I thought, you know what? It would be interesting to do a case study on the similarities between Mitch Trubisky's 2018 season and Daniel Jones's 2022 season. Because believe it or not, they were eerily similar. And believe it or not, as players, they're eerily similar to this day. Like, literally, 0.1 difference in career passer rating. That's it. 86.4 for Mitch, 86.5 for Daniel Jones. And Daniel Jones is entering his fifth year. The Bears declined Mitch Trubisky's fifth-year option. And it looks like the Giants are going to pick it up for having a year that was similar to Mitch in 2018. The Giants are going to regret this move. Regardless of what you think of Mitch Trubinsky, I'll be the first to tell you, and I like Mitch. He's not worth forty-five million dollars per year. He's not. He's not worth that much money. So why the hell does Daniel Jones think he deserves that much money? I want to take a look at this um, chart here. These numbers in front of me. So Daniel Jones this past year: thirty-two hundred passing yards, a sixty-seven percent completion percentage, fifteen touchdowns, five picks and a passer rating of 92.5. Mitch Trubisky, 2018. 66.6 completion percentage, so about a full percent below Daniel Jones. 3,200 passing yards, nearly the same amount as Daniel Jones. They're separated by 18 yards. 24 touchdowns, compared to 15 for Jones. 12 picks, Jones only had five, so Jones less picks, but much less touchdowns. And Mitch Trubisky had a passer rating of 95.4. Jones, 92.5. They practically had the same season. Literally the same thing. And after 2018, there was no talk from anybody about $45 million per year for Mitch Trubisky. And by the way, the Chicago media scene is soft. New York media is pretty hard-hitting. I'm surprised nobody's come out and drawn this comparison or taking a look at this and said, Daniel Jones, you're out of your mind. Boomer Esiason did, but I'm surprised this is not making the media rounds. What world do we live in when it comes to NFL quarterbacks? I would rather sign Jacoby Brissett or Geno Smith or any other free agent and have them still compete with Daniel Jones. Last year did not prove that he is starting quarterback material, proved that he works in a system, that the Giants had a good defense. That's what it proved. It didn't prove that he is a franchise guy, he's a leader, he's the one reason why the Giants made it as far as they did. It doesn't prove any of that. Why the hell does he think he deserves $45 million? I I mean, $45 million for Daniel Jones? Just last year! Everybody said he's going to be gone, going to be cut. Last prove it year, not good enough. And last season, in 11 games, he had 10 touchdowns and 7 picks. You don't think that's going to repeat in some capacity? One good year with Brian Dable doesn't mean the next five are going to be the same. And by the way, a good year for Daniel Jones is 15 touchdowns and 5 picks. That's nothing. He played a full season. That's nothing. That's less than one touchdown per game. All he did was not turn the ball over, which is great. But does that make you deserve $45 million? He did his job as a quarterback. Good job. You should get paid the average rate for a quarterback now. Instead of your rookie contract, yeah, you'll get paid the average rate for the 32 starting quarterbacks in all of football. Perfect. No, you want the top rate. You want Lamar Jackson money. You want Patrick Mahomes money. For what, not turning the ball over? (laughs) Whoop-de-doo. You do a basic thing and you want X amount of money? It should be intuitive by year four that you're not bumbling the ball 20 times per season or throwing more picks and touchdowns. That should be intuitive. If you're not doing that by year four, your ass is going to be on the street or on the bench. So what makes you think you deserve $45 million? actually entitled. Uh, it's a, an entitled stance to have if you're Daniel Jones. Say what you want about Mitch Trubisky, but I didn't hear him clamoring for $45 million after 2018. He kept his mouth shut and still played and tried hard. And their seasons were the same. Where does he get off in demanding this much money? I'm just so stunned that no one's making a bigger deal about this. I know there's so much else going on in the NFL now. There's Jalen Carter news. Derek Carr is making the rounds now. Aaron Rodgers, where's he going to go? There's a big quarterback carousel. I get this is not the sticking point for everybody. But in New York, it should be. I know New York media. I've had guests on my program. They're hard on people. Why is nobody making a big deal about this? Side by side, if you compare Mitch Trubisky in 2018 to Daniel Jones in 2022, it's the same season. Everybody says Mitch Trubisky's a bust. Everybody says Mitch Trubisky blows. Everybody says that the Bears should not have moved up to tank him and that he set the Bears back. But Mitch Trubisky never demanded $45 million per year. Daniel Jones having a similar or lesser season than Mitch is demanding top-rate money. And all he did to improve was not turn the ball over. He discovered how to be a basic starting quarterback in football, and now he thinks I deserve to be paid. No! And more people have to start getting on this because, Giants fans, I'm worried about you. I'm really concerned. You're gonna be stuck with a quarterback who's gonna be mediocre at best for the rest of his life and the rest of his time in New York, and you're gonna be paying him so much money that your team's gonna be cash strapped and cap strapped to the point where you can't sign anybody else. There are reports today saying they might only be able to keep one, Saquon, Saquon Barkley, or Daniel Jones. They can't keep both. You're gonna pick Saint you're gonna pick Daniel Jones over Saquon Barkley even? I know you don't pay a running back, but I in this case I'd pay the running back if I had a choice. We need to be more aware of what's going on there in New York. All of us do. But for the sake of their fan base and for the sake of the team and the health of the team moving forward, Daniel Jones is not going to replicate last year every year. And even if he does, even if he does, okay, that's not game-changing. It's fringe playoff contending, not game-changing. For a fringe playoff contending performance, you do not deserve $45 million. I don't even think Lamar Jackson deserves $45 million, but he might get it. Fine. Okay, you can't win every battle, but this is not $45 million worthy. Daniel Jones is not an MVP winner. Daniel Jones is not a record holder for rushing yards per season per quarterback. He is a mid-level quarterback who finally learned how to hold on to the football. And it's been his fourth year in the NFL. That's kind of sad. He does not deserve that much money. Here He has 42 fumbles in his career. I mean, he had 19 in 2019 and 10 in 2020. He led the league in fumbles. He's, he has the 17th most fumbles amongst active quarterbacks in football. He's played in the league for years. Amongst all active quarterbacks, starting and backup, anybody who's considered even a free agent, 17th in all of football amongst active quarterbacks. Ouch. (laughs) And he wants $45 million per year. Probably about a million for every fumble that he's committed in the NFL. 42 fumbles, $45 million. So a million dollars for every fumble he's committed. And, and, you know, we're going to hear Giants fans saying, you're being a hater, I'm trying to look out for you. This is not the right move, and I have not seen enough to convince myself that he deserves any money whatsoever beyond his rookie contract. I would almost still decline his fifth-year option. I would, because you know what? You could get this production out of anybody. You could get it out of Geno Smith. You could get it out of Jacoby Brissett. Jacoby Brissett put up 3,600 yards in his one-year starting for the Colts, and they were in shambles. You could get the same production out of Jacoby Brissett or Tyrod Taylor if you played a full year. I know he's backing up Daniel Jones now. If you're looking for this production, there are ways to do it for $10 million to $15 million per year. So why waste $30 million in cap space per year for an extended amount of time for no reason? Daniel Jones and Mitch Trubisky had similar years. But the paths could be different. But I do know one thing. Trubisky was not demanding anything from anybody except, hey, I'm going to work harder and we're going to try and really win it all. That's awesome. That's great. I don't know, and I'm laughing. I sit here and I smile and I laugh because I don't know how it's possible that everybody's just going along with this story that Daniel Jones gets $45 million. I can't even imagine what would happen if he was on the Bears and I heard that he wants $45 million. This microphone would be on the floor, and this table would probably be upheaved. So I don't understand where the logic comes from. And the thing that really hurts me, and this is why Giants fans might make your bet in this – no one's really speaking out about it too much. I haven't heard much about, hey, this is kind of ridiculous. Hey, this makes no sense. There's been kind of nothing. There's been some things from national NFL insiders and in the national community, but there hasn't been enough from Giants fans to combat these reports. They listen to you more than you think, I'm telling you. Look at Justin Peel's coming in last year when he shouldn't have come in. Matt Nagy caved everybody. They listen to you. Giants fans speak up. 15 touchdowns and five picks. Newsflash is not good. It's fine. It's 18th to 20th best QB stats in the NFL. Great. Hey, good job, Daniel Jones. You didn't throw too many picks, and you stopped bumbling the football. That's awesome. That's great. You've now achieved level one of being a quarterback in the NFL. You're now a level one quarterback. Good job. It took you four years to do it. So now you think because you passed level one, you're on to level two, you deserve a $30 million pay raise? No, that all works. Win something. Prove to everybody you deserve it. I've seen this song and dance before, and I've seen literally the same season before from Mitch Trubisky. Giants, administration, Joe Shane, whom the Bears could have hired last year. Don't do this. Don't pay him. Because if you do, Giants fans are going to be all over you. You know it, and I know it too. Michael, he did a decent job. 40 million is the market for a mid-QB now. Uh, I don't know about that, Michael, because I'll tell you what. Jacoby Brissett and Geno Smith, maybe Geno Smith now, but Jacoby Brissett you could get probably for $15 million. Mitch Trubisky you could probably get for $15 million. And I'd say they are mid-level, 18th to 20th best QBs in football. I don't know about 40 million dollars uh being the right rate for a performance like that. <laughs> Let me take a look at some of these other comments. If Matt Nagy won a Super Bowl ring, uh then Jones should get his money. I'm just saying one robbery deserves another, I guess. <laughs> Mitch to the Giants, calling it Aaron. Okay, interesting. He had a garbage wide receiver core. Uh, yeah, he did. Um, at the same time, though, he had a good running back, had a good offensive line, ran the ball for a decent amount, and had a good defense around him, and the Giants made the playoffs. And in the games that he started, they went 9-6-1. and one. I'm not saying he is horrible. I think for the right price, he's a decent quarterback. But... For the price that he's demanding, it's just not even worth the conversation to me. That's all I'm saying. Going oh, back to a hockey comment, by the way. Joe, hey, Joe, great to see you hanging out with us. He didn't want to go anywhere but New York. Hawks had no leverage, and he's a free agent at the end of the year, right? Yes, Joe, you're 100% right on that. Um, I just think there should have been a little bit. I mean, come on, you know, first-round pick. That's all I'm saying. First-round pick for Kane, who could still perform. Even with the no leverage part, I think they should have gotten something more definite back. But, as I said already, hey, I love the idea. They, they really are doing it the right way. They're doing it the Cubs way, and I think you and I can agree, Joe. Cubs way is paying off dividends right now. So that's nice, but I just wish they would have gotten more back. Gino is better than Mitch, and Gino will get $35 million this offseason. Yes, she will. I never said no. Mitch, if he was on the market now, would probably get about 10 to $12 million. Geno is better than Mitch. Will Geno do what he did last year? I have skepticism about it. But that's fine if he gets $40 million. Geno passed for 4,200 yards, broke the single-season Seahawks passing record that Russell Wilson had, threw for 30 touchdowns, and propelled Seattle into the playoffs. Daniel Jones threw for 15 touchdowns, 3,200 yards, had five picks, and was a game manager for a team that barely made the playoffs, too. Daniel Jones had literally the same numbers as Mitch Trubisky did in 2018. He does not deserve $40 million, even. Maybe 25 or 30. Okay, fine. 40, 45, 50. No chance. Well, on that note, I think we'll finish up here tonight. I want to thank everybody for tuning in and hanging out here with us. Remember, we're live on YouTube, Twitch, and Facebook at Sports Talk Chicago. Follow us on all those three places. And you can follow me personally at John Z Sports all over social media. Make sure you subscribe to the channel. Hit that like button. Set us notifications so you don't miss anything. Support our good sponsor, our good friends, Amish Country Farms. For the best Amish food in all of Chicago, and hit them up in Orland Park today. Tell them Sports Talk Chicago sent you. Big thank you to John Meadows, directing, producing, making sure everything worked out on the distribution end and on the back end for us. And I appreciate all of you for tuning in. Some great discussion tonight, some in-depth discussion. And um, this was really a fun stream. I think it's one of our better ones in recent memory. We're going to be back at it on Sunday, so you don't want to miss that as we talk more about the Bears, the Draft, probably some baseball stuff, and who knows what else. We're going to be getting into that stuff. We're going to be booking more guests in the weeks to come as well. And um, just appreciate all your interaction And all the good things that you bring us, you guys are all amazing. And um, we're looking forward to continuing to bring you some great coverage coming down the pipe here. Thank you so much for watching. We'll see you on Sunday. So long, everyone.